Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I got Jeff Link on the line. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, we're going to talk about your book in a moment, uh, but let's get in a little bit about your background. Uh, you're, you're in the finance space, and uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now when it comes to investing and financing. So love to hear a little bit more about you, and then we'll dive right into uh, several topics as much as we can in the time that we have today. Yeah, sure. That'll be great. Uh, I guess probably the most important thing to understand about me is is what experiences I had in the past that really transitioned me from where I began in my career to where I am right now. And so I actually got into the business, the, the financial services industry back in 1996. Uh, I was hired as an investment consulting analyst for Smith Barney. And I did that job for a couple of years and then transitioned to become a financial investor, financial professional. And I did that for just a short couple of years. It was late 1997 when I actually became into that role. I stepped in that role. And as you may remember, um, you know, all of a sudden the, the stock market top of 2000 was only a couple of years away. So as I started building my clientele and was, was working with clients, uh, I had the joy of getting a couple years of win behind my back. And then all of a sudden it was three years of losses. Uh, and then as I continued to grow my clientele, we had a five-year rising trend. And then all of a sudden, wow, we got another you know stock market top um, from 2007, late 2007, all the way down into the first quarter of 2009. So going through those experiences were things that really shaped me and really gave me my aha moment. And for me, that aha moment was what I had previously been taught or believed how to invest, in my opinion, became fundamentally wrong. Um, And there were some people that I had actually been following just before the stock market started declining in 2008, who actually recognized the problems and took preventative action. Whereas the the research firm that I actually uh, was was had access to with the firm I represented at that time was adding zero value. And so I, I kind of said something's fundamentally wrong here and I need to do something differently if I don't want to repeat these same experiences in the future. Well, that's a great way to, to put it. And for those that invest, you know, investing is meant to be long-term. And over a period of time, over certain cycles, could be you know, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, you could see a market trend where it's higher for a few years and then down for a few years and then back up and down, kind of you know, like a roller coaster type of thing. Right. But being... You know, being able to understand those trends and figuring out, okay, your down years, you you obviously want to minimize how down they are. And you know, the big years, you know, of course, you know, if you understand the trends, you're like, okay, I know where to, you know, put my focus and emphasis on so I can more or less take advantage of the rising tide. And when you do that, it, it stabilizes things out. And and quite frankly, from a long term standpoint you'll make a lot more money doing it that way instead of the you know, day trading kind of situations. And I know people make a ton of money on that kind of stuff and they get lucky and they buy the right stock and 
But most of us, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, buy a particular stock now that, you know, had its big gains three years ago. And it's like, yeah, we don't see any markets on that. But that's an individual thing. But from just a market analysis and ETFs and things like that, and you can explain to the audience if they don't know what ETF means, um, what, you know, what those things are and, and why it's important to, you know, understand the trends because everybody's like, well, we didn't see this coming, which actually, if you watch <laughs> the trends, you know exactly when it's going to coming or come. And, and it's like pets, you know, when a storm's coming, if, you know, there's certain wild animals doing some weird things, you're like, mm, there's a storm coming. We, we don't see it. We're like, unless we turn on the weather channel. Uh, but, you know, for most of us, like, okay, why is all the birds and animals going a little crazy okay something's coming they see it you know they understand the trends where you know many of us are oblivious so um just, and, you know, and, so. and and actually if you don't mind me interjecting you you just said something that was literally a linchpin for why i decided to go the direction that i went um in 2008, there was a period where I remember vividly, there was a, a one-week period where the, the Dow was down 500 points every day. It lost 2,500 points in literally one week. you know, And that was like the, the real thrust down. And that was really when everyone started really, really panicking. And of course, as you got through that and over the weeks and months that ensued, you heard all that from the media. The media kept saying, oh, nobody could have seen this coming. Nobody, nobody, nobody. And, and that really made me mad because quite honestly, you know, again, as I just alluded, to a minute ago, I had just started reading Richard Russell, the late Richard Russell, who was the, the founder of Dow Theory Letters. Unfortunately, it, it was late August. Um, so it was really, I was just starting to get introduced to him and, and some of the wisdom he could share with people. And I'll never forget that when the Dow hit, the Dow Jones Industrial Average hit 10,752. And Richard said, um, the Dow has violated the 50% principle. All subscribers should be out of common stocks. And of course, I didn't know what that meant because, you know, I had been following the way of investing of the buy and hold for forever that the industry had taught me. Um, so I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, what is he talking about? I have no idea what this means. And over the next, whatever, several months, the Dow ended up going down to another 40% from there to like 6,500 and change, 6,400, something like that. And so when the media is saying, oh, nobody could have seen this, I thought, well, somebody did, you know, and then I learned that more people did. And I thought to myself, you know, I don't know what I don't know, but I know that they know something that I don't know. And I want to know what they know, because again, it, just because you have more knowledge doesn't mean that you're going to be perfect in the future, but at least with more knowledge, you can actually make more informed decisions and try to prevent those situations from impacting you as negatively as they did in the past in the future. Yeah, and that's that wisdom of course helps minimize the pain of losses because when a market drops that much, you know, you naturally you're going to experience depending on you know what your holdings are and all of that a degree of loss. But again, you want to minimize the pain maximize the gain. I'm sure that's a phrase somebody said somewhere. <laughs> Maybe I've seen it on a t-shirt somewhere or something, but that's ultimately, that goes in a lot of things in life, not just, you know, investing, but everything. But at the end of the day, again, we know that markets go up and down. And from my perspective, it's like, I, it gets nauseating to have to ride those, you know, crazy ups and crazy downs. And we see it. I mean, in the pre-show, we were talking about a little bit where, Especially at the time of this recording, we're in the 
middle of a pandemic, or at least I hope it's the middle. We're in the pandemic. I don't want to say where we're at in it, but we're in a pandemic. There's a U.S. presidential election coming up in less than two weeks. The markets have been looking for, is there going to be a stimulus, not going to be a stimulus? And these kind of things are you know, moments in time type of situations mm-hmm. um, that can have, you know, short-term effects on some things, but where the market is likely going based on, you know, what we've been talking about so far, the wheels were already set in motion before these, you know, specific things are going on right now in the market. Yes, it could impact some things, but the momentum of where the market is likely going to be going over the next three to five years you know, that ball's already moving. Yeah, correct. And and really, I, I think at the end of the day, you, you hit on something there that's really valuable. You know, the news of the day and the events of the day are little moments in the trend. And so, one thing that, um, you know, my specialty is, is, is trend analysis, trend following. It's a form of technical analysis. And for people who aren't familiar with trends, just a very simple understanding is that if you look back at history, uh, you can basically see that for the most part, any publicly traded investment for the most part is going to be following or in one of three primary trends at any point in time. Um, and it's either going to be a, a longer term rising trend. So prices are, are you know, going two steps up, one step down, two steps up, one step down um, over a period of you know, typically years. Um, you're going to have a declining trend where prices are doing the opposite. They're taking two steps back, one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, or they're going to do a sideways or consolidating trend. And that's just basically where I think investors get this idea that markets are random because, you know, depending on how long that trend lasts for, whether it's, you know, quarters or several years, it can feel like the market's just going all over the place, but it's really not. It's really trying to decide, is it going to break out into a new rising trend or is it going to break down into a declining trend? At least that's, that's my belief. Makes a ton of sense. And I, I, looking at the last couple of days, you know, again, going, uh, not going against what you just said, but, you know, one would think, okay, if this was a longer period of time with, you know, morning rises and things going down towards the end of the day or vice versa, based on earnings announcements from a couple organizations, you would almost think that we're in one of those sideways type of trends right now um, where things are going back and forth. But I'd be curious to see, you know, from your analysis, kind of where, where are we right now in, in, in all of the trends, you know, excluding obviously all of the singular, you know, in, moment in time types of situations that we're facing right now. Right. I think it's a great question. And I think the way to answer it is it all depends on the market that you're investing in or the sector or the country. So as we, as you mentioned a moment ago, I predominantly focus on exchange traded funds for a number of reasons. Uh, and so the, of, of the ones I focus on, I'm looking for stocks or commodities or exposure to certain areas of the market, whether it's, you know, a sector exchange traded fund, which is a a basket like a mutual fund for those of your listeners who aren't familiar with exchange traded funds. Um, It's like a mutual fund in that there's multiple stocks or or bonds or whatever it may be inside that one investment. But unlike a mutual fund where whenever you put your buy or sell order in during the day with a mutual fund, you only get whatever the fund closes at at the end of the day. An exchange traded fund is is just like a stock. So whether you want to sell it in the morning or the afternoon or at lunchtime, whenever you put that 
make that decision and make that trade, it's going to be executed. So you, you, you have a much greater control over the price you want to get for the decision you're making. And so going back to that for a minute, if you look at different areas of the world, we'll see that there are certain country ETFs that are in negative primary trends. You know, prices are going down. They've been going down. You have places like in the United States where we're in a, currently in a rising primary trend, in my opinion. Um, prices are rising. They're continuing to go higher. And the, the question is, are we at a, a, a tipping point? Um, then you find other areas that are basically in, in sideways trends consolidating. There could be some precious metals or some other places like that. So we really have to look at each investment to be able to say, okay, if I look at it from different perspectives of time, what's the primary trend? And do I believe as an, an investor, if I make an investment in this investment at this price, do I think I'll be rewarded for doing so? And if I already own something or I've owned it for a while, do I think if I continue to hold it, I'm going to benefit? Or what should I be looking for to decide to make that decision? Do I need to take some money off the table or even just cash out and take all my money off the table for that investment? Now, it's a great way to describe uh, ETFs because, and I, I, I love the analogy. I, actually, the first time you've, you know, I've heard that someone mention kind of like a mutual fund, but you've got more control of when you want to um, exercise you know, the right to you know, sell if you, if you choose it. And because they're sector specific as well. And I, I find, in my opinion anyway, that it, the mutual funds, depending on who the, the investment company is, the broker could be made up of a variety of different things where I'm finding with, especially the ETFs, you can you can pinpoint because there's several in, in different sectors and you can go, okay, you know, I actually like that one better because it's got a little bit more of a mix and it, it's more of a hands-on approach than uh, a lot of times it's like, well, you know, I want to have this type of investment. I'm interested in this industry and, you know, there could be three or four types of bonds or, or you know, funds or whatever that are in it that you, know, you might like or might not like. But at the end of the day, um, I, I love the fact that you have more control on it. And one of the things I would say that's really important to understand and that, that you know, if you're an, an analytical geek like myself, you, you look for these things, but most people, if they're not familiar, they need to be careful. One of the downsides with, with exchange traded funds, and you see this with some mutual funds as well, is I was looking at a, a particular exchange traded fund the other day in my research and I couldn't believe it. There were two stocks in the out of the entire basket of all the stocks in the portfolio. I don't remember if there were 50 or 100. Two stocks represented 25% of the entire ETF. So you really have to look and make some decisions. And I don't want to get in the, in the weeds or go on, a, on a, a tangent here. But it's really important that when, in my opinion, when people look at these exchange traded funds, if they're going to be investing in them, you really need to understand, you know, is this a what's called a market cap weighted exchange traded funds. So certain stocks are going to have bigger weightings automatically, or is it an equal weighted exchange traded fund, which I prefer, because that means that if there's 50 stocks represented in that exchange traded fund, then that means they're all equally weighted, which means it's easier, in my opinion, to recognize a true trend when you see a basket of investments all in the same category, and they're all in a very controlled movement or a controlled trend. It's easier to say, okay, I have more confidence in that, that that trend is correct because of the fact that it's not being dominated by just a, a small handful of your Facebooks or your Microsofts or your Googles, as an example. That's a great reminder for that because, yeah, though, especially this period of time where you know, it's been earnings week the last couple of weeks, and I go right up to you know early part of November, where yeah, if you have an ETF that's heavily swayed, and there's a couple 
organizations that had really bad earnings, but everything else in there is doing fine. You may make the improper decision to say, you know what, I need to get out of that one where it's like, well, that's just, uh, again, one of those moments in time where I, I love the, the equalization on it. So that way, it, again, it minimizes, you know, the pain if you've got a couple, you know, bad, I don't want to say bad stocks, but a couple stocks that had a bad reporting period or, you know, SEC investigations or, you know, fun stuff like that, which is always good for the stock value. Uh, but at the end of the day, you you want to make sure that, you know, you're, you're protecting your investment. So, uh, which is a beautiful segue into protecting the pig. So, Tell us about this book, and and I always ask authors of this. You know, why did you give so much of your time? Because it takes a ton of time to write a book. You know, but it's always a labor of love. I, you know, the books I've written, I've I've enjoyed doing it, but it's it's time consuming for sure. So, tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah, sure. So basically, I wrote the book for a couple different reasons. Uh, first and foremost, there's I think there's two types of people in the world. There's givers and takers, and so I think that givers are people who go through an experience. And then they they basically say, I want to learn from that so I can try to avoid it again. And then they realize, you know what, how many other people could be benefited if I could share this information with them? If they could learn from my past experiences and I can share with them something of value, how much further ahead could they get and how could that help them avoid again, those past experiences. So, you know, I want to be, I wanted to be a giver. I wanted to say, you know what, I'm not going to tell you exactly how I do what I do, but I'm going to show you the irrefutable evidence that, that I've come across through my own personal research that has convinced me that there's absolutely no way that anyone can say or claim, and again, this is my opinion based on my research, that financial markets and stock markets are random. Um, there's, I just don't believe that at all. I did 15, 20 years ago. I, I don't anymore. So uh, one thing is I wanted to be a giver. A second thing is I, you know, when I went through those periods with my clients back in 2000 to 2002, and then 2008, 2009, you know, the thought that came in my head was, this is really stupid. I mean, I, I hate to be so blunt, but it was how, how, why would anyone want to invest in financial markets and risk their capital and say, okay, well, I'm going to make decisions based on my age. And so, you know, if you're older in life and you've accumulated the most money you've had, but you're in the early stages of, of maybe a, a longer, what could end up being a longer term rising trend, why would you take less risk just because of your age? And likewise, if you're in your 30s or 40s and you don't have a lot of money and you're early on and you're saying to yourself, okay, um, I can afford to take risks because I can recover if it goes against me. Well, if the market is going down or the, the we're going through what I, what I call a trend correction, which is what I call what happened in 2000 to 2002 and then 2008, um, what also happened to the Japanese stock market back in uh, 1989. Uh, when you look at those as trend corrections, you realize just because I'm young and I can quote afford to take that risk, should I? And I think the answer is no. So I wanted to basically be able to put something out there that I could show people and, and have it be a, a launching point to say, you know, this is what, these are my beliefs. This is what I've proven to myself. And ultimately, if you can benefit from it and, you know, get some nuggets of gold out of what I've learned over, you know, a couple decades and you can employ it right away or make sure that the advisor you're working with is aware of these things or that you've thought of some of these things, then great. It, hopefully it'll, it'll pay dividends for you down the road. And, and, and probably the last final thing, just real quickly, is my oldest son is, is 16. And I think to myself, if I can teach him what took me my whole career to learn, then when he's my age, how much farther ahead of the game can he be 
having learned and applied what I've done. And if I don't, if I don't document, if I don't record it, then, and if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, you know, what, what good was it? What does it matter? No, it's great that you're, you're thinking of your son that way, because it's, here's everything that I've learned that can set you up to be better prepared and more aware of, of trends, not just in investing, but in life. And that knowledge is something that is so critical uh, for people to share because oftentimes I know I'm not getting into generations, but I, I find that some generations struggle because they don't want to look to get advice from people that have been through it. And I think it's a lost opportunity. It doesn't mean you need to take the advice, but you should seek guidance on certain aspects of things, especially investing and financial planning and, and life planning and all of those things are critical for people because you know, there, there's a lot of buses on the road. You know, you use your bus analogy and you don't want to be in that situation, uh, but you know, take advantage of, of these learnings and books like Jeff's book because I think when you do that, it sets you up for success and, you, and more information and learning will make your life better and quite frankly, then you can give to the generation that comes after you. That's how we've made things improve in life. That's how we're able to make the world better is by sharing our knowledge and pouring our information into people uh, in a way that will help them make better, either, I want to say better decisions, but wise decisions for themselves. Because everybody's investment strategies vary. You know, they, right. and, and, and I love what you said a few minutes ago about making those decisions, you know, not based on your age, but on, okay, is this the right area to be investing in? Don't worry about the age part of it. It's like, is this, you know, it's like, okay, you've got to maximize your earnings because you're 62 and you want to retire at 75 and here's where you're at. Well, yeah, there's going to be some decisions made and all of that, but you're also going to say, well, don't take high risk if we're in a downturn because, well, that risk is going to be a whole lot higher because the trends are saying you're not going to make money. Uh, and why would you put your money in there knowing if you know the trends that it's not going to make money? So that's awesome. Yeah, and, and I think it's what's really important too, if I can make a comment on this, and I, I want to be careful that I don't get too detailed here, is you, you know, there's a character that I wrote the book on, and this is somebody who's real, but in the book, I, I gave this person the name Mallory, and Mallory sold her business in 2007 and uh, ended up hiring a local bank broker. And this, is, this isn't anything against this person. It's just to show, I mean, I was doing the same thing at the time. So I'm as guilty as I would, I would say that I'm going to hold myself accountable the same way I would the person in this, in this story. Uh, but, you know, basically they went ahead and they invested the money from the proceeds of their, of their company sale in the markets, you know, literally in the third quarter, got fully invested in 2008. And then, you know, over the next 18 months lost 42% of their investment value because even though the trend was positive at the time that they made their decision, and as I say in the book, that was fine. The real issue here was the fact that they, they basically ended up losing so much money because the investment strategy that they used was one that was not going to basically adapt to a changing trend. And the advisor, even though he thought he was getting that from the advisor he hired, did not actually go ahead and do anything in you know proactively. Everything was reactively. So I think investors need to be very aware of that of that issue. Um, that 
there are different investment professionals. They have different skill sets. There are different types of investment strategies you can follow. And at the end of the day, those different investment strategies are going to actually perform very differently depending upon the primary trend that the market's going through at any moment in time. And that's amazing advice. And it's the lessons that we get in life sometimes are by the, unfortunately, the misfortune of others and you know, some um, bad information they received or decisions that they made and um, thinking they're doing the great thing. But yeah, it's it, the bottom line is do your research on, on things as an investor. And if you say, well, I, I don't know much about investing, um, not to be bold or cold, um, that's not an excuse anymore. You can find out about investing easier than ordering dinner. Um, there's, there's a ton of information out there. Of course, you want to get it from the right places because um, you could invest all your money in a stock that gets delisted and go, where'd all my money go? And, and it's like, oh, that, that's a 0.02 cent stock now. You, you, pay, you, you paid $12 a share. Hmm, well, enjoy that. I'm guessing it's not going back up anytime soon. Uh, but, but it's done everything. You know, it, it, you know, get, get some information. You know, there's plenty of great resources out there, especially just book is, is something that's important too. So I highly recommend people go out and get it. So Jeff, I've loved our conversation today. We could probably talk hours about this and uh, not get, not getting into the weeds of things. And I didn't, I didn't mention any stock tickers and I'm not interested because I know you're in the ETF side of things, but then I can say, well, what are ETFs? But no, that, that that's for people to follow you and, and find out that information as well. So where can people find out more about you, this book and everything you're doing? Yeah, sure. If people want to learn more about me or my process, they can visit my website, which is www.bluelineinvesting.com. And if they'd like to learn more about the book, they can visit that website, which is www.protectingthepig.com. And I just want to make a quick offer that um, if anyone who's listening, any of your listeners, if they're interested in, 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 they want to take a look at the book, but they want to kind of get a little bit of a more feel before they want to purchase it, uh, they can go ahead and send an email to info at protectingthepig.com with Breakfast Leadership Show Chapter 1 offer in the subject line. And I'm happy to send a free copy of Chapter 1 for their review. Yeah, that's very generous. Thank you very much, Jeff, for that. And I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So, Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. Um, congratulations again on the book and continued success in all of your endeavors. I appreciate it, Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.